Hello folks, it's Andy, the analytical preacher. One thing I think Christians and non-Christians can agree on is that the Bible definitely teaches us one of the main themes of Scripture is that Christians, that God followers, are supposed to be nice people. We're supposed to do nice things and help others out. Even when I speak with atheists who are uncomfortable with my faith or challenge my job as a minister, they do usually agree The Christians in my town, they say, do nice things. They do help others out. And at least I can respect that piece of your faith, of your religion. But here's what the Bible cautions us about. Anytime people get involved with one another, and and let me clarify that, because we are sinful, anytime sinful people in a fallen world get involved with each other, even if it's I am trying to or you are trying to honestly help someone else. Anytime sinful people get involved, we have to be careful. We have to make sure that we're not falling for some sort of pitfalls, some potential traps, if you will. Again, just our sinful nature and the sinful nature of the people we're trying to help can confuse and complicate this issue. So in this podcast, I just want to talk about some of those pitfalls, some of those traps, they're sort of interrelated, and we'll bring that up as we go through our conversation here. One of those potential traps, one of those pitfalls that is definitely we need to be aware of is that we can unintentionally do more harm than good with our charity efforts. And this is important. And a lot of folks, as you begin this conversation, they become pretty uncomfortable in speaking about this. But the Bible directly addresses it. The Bible hits this topic head on in a pretty aggressive way. Again, because what the Bible is saying is if your heart is genuine and you truly desire to do good, you want to make an honest difference. You feel like you've been blessed. You've been shown mercy by God. You want to make the world a better place. Good for you, but be careful because good intentions don't always make the world better. So the Bible sort of addresses it directly. Let me throw a couple of scriptures out there, both written by the Apostle Paul. The first one is in 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to be in chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 10. Paul writes this, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, doesn't say not able, obviously. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. I think some folks are a little surprised that a verse like that is even in the scriptures, the New Testament, where Jesus says, Give of yourself, give like me, give sacrificially, love your neighbor as yourself, do what's best for other people. But what scripture is saying, what Paul is saying is it's not best for someone else when you allow them to literally be lazy, to live off others. That's not fair. That's not right. That's not helping society and it's not helping that person. But there's another letter that Paul wrote to a young preacher that he was mentoring, a young man named Timothy. And Paul writes in what we call the letter of first Timothy in the New Testament over in chapter five. Paul writes a couple things that I think are even more pointed, that even more folks are surprised is actually in the scriptures. 
I'm going to pick a few verses. I'm going to read 1 Timothy 5, 13 and 16 just for time's sake. Timothy, I'm sorry, Paul is speaking to Timothy about widows. And here's the truth. In those days, there was no social security. There was no Medicare. And so when a widow, especially if she was younger and lost her husband and her kids maybe were still young and so forth, it could be a very difficult financial situation for them to find themselves in, a very frightening financial situation. And so Paul was saying the church has to take care of their members who are widows, who have been left without a primary caregiver, a primary income earner, and especially if they were caught off guard, et cetera, et cetera. But he qualifies that. Why? Because we live in a sinful world. We are sinful. The widows themselves, however bad their situation may be, are also sinful. And so Paul just writes to Timothy, be careful as you set these church-wide charity programs up that you don't fall for these traps. This is what he says, 1 Timothy 5, 13. Besides that, he says, they learn, these widows, they learn to be idlers. Not they are, they learn to be idlers. Going from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Skip over to verse 16. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. And so often you'll hear Christians speak about when we do our charity work, we want to help those who are truly widows. If you've heard that phrase, that's where it's coming from, this First Timothy chapter 5. The, the startling thing here is Paul is literally saying, the, and he, he says in other places, these are good Christian women and they've prayed for and they've served the saints and they've been great mothers and wives, but we have to be careful that we don't allow our pity for them, we don't allow our charity to teach them bad habits. They learn to be idlers, it says. It's just part of our sinful nature psychiatrists, and not Christian psychiatrists, but secular, even atheist psychiatrists, they speak of things like enabling others. They also speak about things like learned helplessness. We can take someone, we're trying so hard to be nice to them that we teach them, in a sense, to be helpless. They weren't that way before. It's not that they were some bad, lazy scam artist who took advantage of us. No, they were a good, decent person. We were a good, decent person. They had an issue. We wanted to help the issue, but we did it in the wrong way, and we taught them helplessness. They learned to be idlers. What a horrible thing to think that as a Christian, I want to help a widow woman and I end up doing exactly the opposite. And so we have to be very careful in these cases. And it says here, Paul is saying, the church shouldn't be burdened with people who can take care of themselves or who can find other ways to be taken care of. The church, therefore, should be able to work with those who are truly widows. And sometimes we hear Christians say, they'll give money to this or to that. They'll find out that the money was used inappropriately by those who received it. And they'll say, well, I'm not responsible for that. I give them the money, good conscience. I get the credit for that. I get the charity, the religious, the social credit for that. It's their responsibility how they use it. But Paul really challenges Timothy here. That's not entirely the case. You need to be careful that you don't, quote unquote, waste your charity. And that could be money. That could be time. That could be encouragement. 
You don't waste your charity on those who are now learning helplessness or are being enabled. But we are responsible, according to this, to make sure that our care is given to those who are truly in need. Let me give you one more verse that I think sort of helps to clarify this a little bit. In Galatians, same writer, the Apostle Paul, in Galatians chapter 6, 2 to 5, Paul writes this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You go, yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I expected a preacher to say on a podcast about really doing good and making a difference in the world, really helping people out. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And that's exactly what Paul says here, and that's exactly what Jesus has said, and it's exactly what the Old Testament prophets taught, and it's exactly what God had Moses put in the Old Testament law. But Paul goes on. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. And if we're not careful, we almost think Paul contradicted himself there within three verses. Bear one another's burdens because that fulfills the law of Christ. But each one of you will have to bear his own load. Paul is simply saying this. We each are responsible for doing any and everything we can for ourselves. That's simply how the world works. I need to carry my own load every single day. But when someone has a burden, not a traditional load, but they have a real burden, it's an excessive burden, It's an especially if it's an unexpected burden, then all the neighbors do need to pitch in. They do need to help. They do need to fulfill this law of Christ. Jesus' half-brother, James, wrote a letter in the New Testament. We call it the book of James in the New Testament. And James really gets to the heart reminding us what all the Old Testament prophets had spoken about with regards to charity. Let me read you James chapter 1, verse 27. James says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. And every Christian should now be hanging on this verse, hanging on this sentence going, yes, I want my religion to be pure and undefiled before a holy God who has saved me through his mercy. What is religion that is pure and undefiled? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Yes, not sinning not falling into the sinful traps of the culture, keeping oneself unstained from the world is important. But notice James actually put it second. What did he put first? Visiting orphans and widows in their affliction. A couple things pop out from this first. One, orphans and widows is the biblical way to say individuals who are in difficult situations through no fault of their own. Again, the, the gentleman dies who was the, the financial support for the household. Now you have his children who are orphans and his wife who is a widow. It's not their fault that this individual has passed away, but now their primary security in the world, especially in that culture. I mean, today women make more money than men, but in those days, the primary support for that family has now gone. And we need to step in and help those individuals who are in a desperate need through no fault of their own. That's what the Bible means by orphan and widows. But notice James doesn't say, beautiful religion in front of God 
those who give a dollar or provide a toy at Christmas to the Marines toy for tot drive. No, he says it's those who visit orphans and widows, those who take time out of their life, those who make an honest investment in those who have the greatest need in our society. In some ways, it may have been a little bit easier in those days. Again, there was no Social Security, no Medicare. There was no disability insurance. And so when someone, say, was at work and they became disabled, it was pretty obvious that that person was in need, their family was in need. Today, it's not as obvious because, again, they may have had a disability policy through their work. They may get workers' compensation. They may get Social Security, disability, et cetera. When they become aged and unable to work in the workforce anymore because of age, they can almost always get Social Security and Medicare for their health. So it's, I think it's a little bit more difficult today to say, who are the true widows? Who are the people in my community and society that really and truly need help? And I think we do have to dig a little bit more, which kind of brings us to our second potential pitfall here. Not only do I have to be careful that I'm not enabling lazy people, that I'm not teaching bad habits to those who really are in need, but the way I'm doing my charity is actually making this situation worse. But I also have to be careful that I'm not just performing these deeds in a way for my own benefit. And this happens a great deal. It makes us feel good to help. For some people, conversations I've had, we discover really it eases their guilt. It it lessens their anxieties to give, to help others. But again, in this almost meaningless momentary way, for so many of us, we are seeking a certain image in front of our peer group. And in some ways, giving and helping in charity helps to bolster that image that we And for many of us, we can sort of see, you know, maybe I am doing this more for my own benefit than others because the charity that I do, the helping that I do really costs me very little in terms of time, in terms of money, in terms of commitment, in terms of emotional investment. It really costs me very little. I am trying to get maximum social credit for being a nice dude with really a minimal input. I think for a lot of folks, when they hear this, they immediately, no, that's not me. I don't do things because it makes me look better in front of others. And I sure given makes me feel okay, but the, the, the receiver is far more blessed than I am. And there's no problem, of course, in feeling good that you're helping others. And I'm not doing it to ease any guilt or because I do this, I try to balance it off over here by doing something nice. But I really think this is a bigger issue for most of us then we want to admit. And I would encourage, in fact, I would challenge people listening to this podcast, really reassess yourself. Why are you doing what you do? Are you doing more harm than good? Are you helping those who are truly widows, truly orphans? Is there any possibility that you're enabling somebody, that you're teaching them uh, learned helplessness? And is there really a chance that you're only doing it because you get some good social credit for it. And so things like, again, I donate a toy. I go on Christmas, uh, once during Christmas or once during Thanksgiving, and I work at a homeless shelter and feed the homeless or provide some food and so forth. I think those are things that we say, those might be nice 
activities, but it's not really what the Bible means by visiting orphans and widows in their affliction. Let me give you one more verse back to the apostle Paul. Let me give you one more verse from first Thessalonians chapter five, because the way it's translated into English, we don't get the full impact of what Paul was trying to write when he originally wrote these words in Greek. First Thessalonians 5.14 says this, and we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Here's the problem with that translation. The word that gets translated help is not strong enough. That Greek word really means to devote and attach yourself to someone who needs assistance. That's the word that's written. And the word weak really is this all-encompassing word for those who are poor, those who are powerless or helpless, those who are physically sick or emotionally troubled. So really it's, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Tell people to be of good character and to be responsible for themselves whenever it's possible for them to do so. Encourage the faint-hearted. We all have our moments in life where life is overwhelming us. Be there and encourage those in that situation. Attach yourself. Be devoted to those who are suffering any type of financial or, or physically sick or emotionally troubled times. And again, I think we have to say, when we help, when we do our charity work, if we say, I love God, God has blessed me, and I truly want to help others and make the world a better place. When we go to do that, I do think we have to say, am I attaching myself? Am I devoting myself to this person? Am I visiting them with my time, with an emotional investment, not just a quick monetary handout, and then off I go? I think we have to say, would I be willing to do this even if that person does not say thank you, and even if no one ever knows that I've done it to give me the credit for it? I think those are the sort of questions that we have to ask as we see how the Bible lays out charity. Let me get down to Uh, Let me close out with, I guess I'll say, a real hardcore life application on a topic like this. Because so often we see individuals, for example, they stand on the side of the road. They have a cardboard paper and it says something about wounded vet or lost my job or kids' medical expenses. And, you know, just please provide what you can. And I think a lot of Christians question, and I know some have asked me directly, should we give to those individuals? And, And some are inclined to and some are inclined not to. And they ask my honest opinion. Based on the scriptures we've read in this podcast, I believe my honest opinion is for that situation. Should you hand the spare change in your car out the window to that individual? And I would almost say, certainly that's never the the appropriate Christian response. And here's why. You're just trying to do something quick and easy that's pretty costless. You don't know that individual's situation. You don't know if you're enabling. You don't know if you're teaching learned helplessness. You don't know if that's the best possible investment for that money. Remember, the church, individual Christians, are not to be burdened by giving to the wrong people. But we're to help those who are truly widows and truly orphans. All of that is difficult to understand. What would Jesus do, you say? Wouldn't Jesus? Oh, Jesus might offer to help the person, but it would require that visiting orphans and widows. It requires you to stop, to go part, to walk back to the corner and to say, 
I am willing to help you. I am willing to invest in you, to devote and attach to your needs until we can get you back established. Are you interested in me doing that? That's the Christian response. I care so much about you as a person. I wouldn't just throw a couple of dollars at you and then hope that you use it for food instead of a substance. No, I need to come and say, can I help you? But even doing that on the street corner is a challenge. The issue really becomes if you're concerned about individuals, vets who are home, there are vets who are homeless. There are individuals who have had their financial status shattered because them or their children have had some medical expense that has now inundated and overwhelmed them. Those things absolutely do happen. Christians should be involved in helping those people. But someone standing with a cardboard sign on a street corner is not the vehicle. It's not the channel do which we want to do that. If those things touch your heart, you can in your community, I guarantee you, find single moms that need help. Maybe they need a little financial help for a short period of time to get back on their feet. Maybe they just need someone to keep their kids while they go shopping or while they go to a job interview. Maybe there is a homeless veteran that you can honestly Try to help get them connected to the right church, get them connected to the right homeless mission, get them connected to the right government agencies. Of course, you're going to say, wow, what an investment that's going to take of my time. Absolutely. Visit the orphans and widows. Be attached and deeply devoted to those who are weak. That's how Christians do charity. Throwing a couple of dollars out at someone and not knowing if it's really even making a difference is simply not up to the biblical standard. So I would challenge us all some way in some area. Again, you pick it. Single moms, foster children, kids who are struggling in school, elderly individuals who live in assisted living or in skilled nursing facilities who are lonely and have no one to look out for them and do just basic things for them that need to be done, basic errands that need to be run and so forth for them. There are so many ways that we can help in our society. What Christians need to do is say, I want to find an area where I can invest my time and my money where I can truly sacrifice, become attached and devoted to. And I'm going to constantly in my prayers, day and night, say to God, help me make sure that my my charity work is doing good. Let me invest in a way that truly makes people's lives better, truly makes my community better. And God expose in me when I am doing things for the wrong reasons, where maybe nobody is benefiting because I'm not checking into it enough or because I'm really doing it for just the social credit that I receive. But when we say, is this a valid option for charity? Am I doing this for the right reasons? And we are willing to sacrificially give of our time and our money then we are meeting the biblical standards of loving our neighbor as ourself and doing religion that God truly approves of by visiting orphans and widows in their time of deepest need. This is Andy, the Analytical Preacher. See you next time.